listening to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. You excited to be in God's house this morning? I can't see you through the haze of glory that we got going on here, so I'm going to have to hear you. You excited to be in God's house this morning? Good. I, uh, I wasn't here last week. I had to go to Orlando to preach um, and then had to do, do a couple of things for school down there. But, but I'm glad to be back. I missed y'all. I heard it was powerful. Um, I heard Cole preach, preach the word and then everybody responded. Uh, the text I got was somebody that was here said, you know, it was a powerful service when you get up off the floor and you have to peel paint off of your face because the paint's chipping on the floor and they were in the presence of God. Thank God for that. It is the best feeling in the world to know that when, when I'm not here, our team is still more, more, we probably like it more when I'm not here. They're more than capable of doing what we do and, and declaring the message that we believe God's given us. And it's just an honor to be back home and we love you. Now, I do want to say, first of all, happy Juneteenth. Uh, if you don't know what that is, you can, uh, I'm not going to recount that history for you. You can look it up online. It was made a federal holiday this past week, and we have done good work toward racial reconciliation, and there's a lot of work still to be done. Amen. So thank God for that. And happy Father's Day to all you dads. With your white socks and flip-flops, khaki shorts and weave belts, your dad jokes, what's red and smells like blue paint, red paint. I'll be here all week. Be sure to tip your waitress. Happy Father's Day. Um, I'm going to do something that probably you're not used to. I'm going to preach a message, but I'm not going to take a particular text. We're not going to start by reading that. I'm going to weave some text in as we talk. Um, But I do want to talk about Father's Day for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's Father's Day. Number two, it's kind of interesting how the church handles Father's Day. In that, I say interesting in that I think it's wrongly managed, right? When we have Mother's Day, it's, you know, thank God for mothers. And we should do that. Thank God for mothers. Thank God for mothers. But when we come to Father's Day, we treat Father's Day as though he's the guy that pays for the stuff. The buffoon that lives in the house that we all kind of tolerate. Mom keeps it together and dad just pays for all the stuff that mom's trying to accomplish. We even talk about it. We talk about single motherhood is difficult and bless God it is. But single fatherhood is no picnic either. Right? The way we talk about fatherhood and fathers It's very complex, primarily because we're always getting profoundly conflicting and contradictory information. What we say is fatherhood and fathers and masculinity now in five years, we'll say all of that was wrong and it will be redefined again. 
So the goalposts are always moving. Part of the issue is, is most women, everything they know about men, they learn from other women. It's awful. It's going to be fun today. You ain't got to be quiet. Is it heavy or is it heavy? Why is it heavy? When in reality, women have no more business teaching others about what it is to be a man than a man would teaching other people what it's like to be a woman. You get all your, you get all your magazines in the checkout aisle, Cosmo, Women's Day, Women's Health. Vogue. I'm going to get to yours in a minute. I, that's about all the ones I remember. In the front of them is like how to, how to make your man happy, how to please your man, how to make him come begging for you. And all these articles are written by women. To prove my point, I looked one up. 15 ways to know that your man is still in love with you. Written by two women. It's true. I I promise you, I'll send you the link. Way number one to know that your man still in love with you. There were 15 of them. He had to do all 15. Number one, he always lets you win an argument. Win the argument. My wife don't see this article because I take a bullet for her, but I ain't laying down. Right? I'll fight off an intruder, but you're going to share the remote. (laughs) We got a TV upstairs and downstairs. You go upstairs. One of the ways to know that he's still mad, madly in love with you. He lets you win the argument. Number two. He always goes with you to the party or welcomes your friends over without whining. And I'm reading this. I'm thinking y'all have never been married. Y'all have never been married. (laughs) Way number three was. He always, always, it's a big word. He always says whatever you want for date night. And so when women read this information, they erect this figure. And I would say that figure exists only in the movies, but he don't even exist in the movies. Do you know how many marriages I have tried to help put back together and it was primarily rooted on this? You have completely wrong expectations because you have received false information. You have gotten fake news about what you think men are and what you think they need and how you think they tick. Come on, ladies. You can give the dads one day out of the year. Can I get a witness from somebody? We have false information about what it is to be men and we have communicated false information to women about what it means to be men. So you think that as long as you have sex with him, he is happy. And that is not true. 
That's not true. Men are, I know, I know we don't talk about it like this, but men are deeper in their own ways. We usually talk about men as though they're like doing first grade math and women are like doing astrophysics. Right? If you can add two and two together, you can get through a man's thick skull. But you have to be able to build a rocket and send it to Venus before you understand a woman. And those things are not true. Men are much more complex than that. They're deeper than that. People don't believe that's true. That's because they've never sat in a room with a husband that is completely walled off from a wife that loves him and cares for him. And she doesn't know why. I don't know why. And he can't even explain why. And we spend hours and hours and hours trying to crack the code on what's going on on the inside of you. Because there's something going on. Nobody knows. That's not two plus two equals four. The information that we have that we're sputtering out about men and about fathers is destined to collapse under the weight of its own contradictions. We want men that are vulnerable. And the moment a man displays vulnerability, he has a fragile ego. We want men to talk. But the moment they name what they need, they need to man up. It's not, I thought we were going to laugh together, but this is not that, evidently. It's deeper than that. That man need food and sex. That's all there is to it. If you can cook, and willing to, you know. And I'm here to tell you, ladies, that's not true. That's not true. I want to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you not what a man wants. I want to articulate to you what a man needs. In ways that sometimes even men can't articulate. Or they feel weird articulating it. It feels odd. For a man to say, I need something emotional. There's no problem saying, I need a new Traeger. Of which, if my wife's out of town, her cousin's about to have a baby, so she's in there with him. But if she's watching, I need a new Traeger. But I want to tell you what a man needs. The first thing a father needs is he needs to be praised. He is created in the image and the likeness of God. And God asks for our praise. Men need to be praised. Because praise is encouragement to them. When was the last time you told him? When was the last time you told dad why you need him? When was the last time you told dad how, just how vital he is to the family? I had two conversations this past week with fathers, powerful men, wonderful men, 
men that work hard, they're providers, they just break their backs trying to give their families everything they could possibly want. And they were communicating to me, I feel sometimes like I'm just a machine meant to spit out money so they can buy whatever they want. And a lot of times it's not even meant, met with so much as a thank you. It's not a gift anymore, it's an expectation. And the more I meet that expectation, the higher that expectation bar climbs. To the point that if I ever say no, well now I'm a bad father. And they completely miss everything that I've ever done. Because we don't have a culture that praises fathers, we have a culture that criticizes them. Even people right now, there are people in this room right now that me talking like this is unnerving you. Because I'm saying something positive about men. <laughs> I'm saying something positive about men and we're like, I don't know. Men need to be praised. They need, because men will take it on, will take on life and will take on the responsibility and will take on the bills and will take on the kids and will take on all this and take on, and they'll just take it and they'll hold it and they'll hold it now for a little while and they don't know how to get it out. That's why they do things that you think are dumb like shoot guns at trees. Right? Or go and lift heavy things. At the gym, I go and lift moderately light things. Right? They'll hold it in for a little while, but even the greatest among us, even the greatest in the Bible, couldn't hold on to it forever. Even Paul the Apostle is sitting in a Philippian jail cell and he's expressing to us his own suicidal thoughts. I would rather die and just go be with Jesus. We read that as, oh, Paul loves Jesus so much. Paul was on the edge. I would rather die than have to preach another sermon and go through this suffering again. But people don't check on you when you look strong. People don't ask about you when you look like you got it all together. And so there's men at the gym and men on the gun range and men at church and men at work that look like they have it all together. And secretly their world on the inside of them is collapsing. And we don't have anything else to tell them except go get the groceries out of the car. But if you would praise him, he would do everything you need him to do and more. If I go get three bags of groceries out of the car and Lindsay's like, my God. I'm like, honey, I'll get that fourth bag. I'll carry yeah. I'll pick this car up and tote it around the block, girl. It say nothing. It say it say nothing. <laughs> I carry this on my toe. <laughs> You should have seen what I did at the gym the other day. Nothing. Women have no problem naming that they need praise. And they're worthy of it. They deserve it. I am wired. I'm the kind of guy that I'm wired. I see 
everything that's wrong before I see the right thing. Y'all know those people? Every, like if, 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 if 50 things are right and one thing is wrong, that's what I see. It's, it's this thing. My wife is the opposite. My wife is the most unrealistic, optimistically happy person you've ever met in your life. If, I, if my right arm got blown off, she would find something positive. She would say something like, guess who gets to write left-handed now? <laughs> and she always tells me, she says, if you could balance out some of the critique with just a little bit of praise, that would be helpful. So I have to make myself do that. Women have no problem naming that. Men feel weird saying, I need you to tell me that I'm doing good. Because we want to pretend that our own approval is enough. And it's not. We want to pretend that if we felt like we did a good job, then that's all the approval we need. And that is not true. So we need to quit acting like it. And I know for some of you men in here, this is not nearly masculine enough. Right? It's not nearly masculine enough. If you have a problem with it, tell Stephen. And he will redefine masculinity for you. But men have issues saying, I need this. You know the story of Legion in the Bible? Y'all know that story? When Jesus arrives on the shore and there's so many demons living on the inside of him that when Jesus casts them out and they leave and get in a bunch of pigs, the pigs go and kill themselves. There was so much going on in that man that even 2,000 swine couldn't handle it and he was bottling it all in. I talked to a dear friend of mine this week, one of my best friends in the world. I was in Orlando. He called me and he said, I need to talk. I said, what's going on? And he starts telling me of all of the pain and the, and he didn't even know the language. We are so, we are so, we are so unfamiliar with being able to articulate these things that he was stumbling over himself. He didn't even know the words to use, but what he was naming was the different pains in his life because I did this and it went unnoticed and I did that and it went unnoticed and I did this. He's not asking for and never-ending stream of validation and affirmation. He's not a dysfunctional human being, but he had a hard time saying, I did this and nobody said thank you. To the point it's straining my marriage, it's straining the relationship with my kids, and it's making me doubt myself. And this gentleman is one of the most accomplished people I know. One of the most accomplished people I know. One of the smartest people I know. He got more degrees than a thermometer. And in the middle of all of his accomplishments, he's saying, I'm still not getting what I need. There's still stuff boiling on the inside of me. Y'all know who Jim Baker is? Some of y'all too young to know who Jim Baker is. He was the original tele-evangelist. He gets arrested in the 80s, goes to prison. When he gets out of prison, he tells this story that while he was in prison, he talked to a gentleman who was not married, had no children, no prospects, aging, with nobody in his life. The man was gripped, gripped by loneliness. And if it feels weird talking about loneliness on Father's Day, good. 
It needs to. He was gripped by loneliness. So for whatever reason, he went and spent a bunch of money and bought all of these exotic fish because he needed companionship. I would have thought a dog, but whatever. He bought all of these exotic fish. These fish became his world. The fish tank was right beside his bed. Spends all this money. He comes in every day after work and he's just like a dad looking at a new son, just beaming at his fish. Feeding them, taking care of them, naming them. One night he comes in, feeds the fish, lays down and goes to bed. And he didn't know that the thermostat on the fish tank had broken. And so overnight, the temperature of the water begins to rise. And it rises so much that it boils them. They bloat and they... But you didn't see that coming, did you? They bloat up and they die. He wakes up the next morning and he sees the center of his world's dead. But this is what the man said. He said, sometimes I wonder, I know they're fish, but sometimes I wonder if in their own way, while the heat was rising, they were screaming and I couldn't hear them. While the temperature was being turned up, were they trying, while I was asleep, while they, were they trying in their own way to communicate help? But I couldn't hear them. And because men don't know how to talk the language of emotion very well, you can be around men with the temperature in their life rising, and they're crying out in their own way for help, and you still not be able to hear it. Women, when they need to get something out, they need to talk. I call it my wife's decompression valve. It builds up. And then I know three hours worth of me listening is coming. Works like magic. Figured it out. But when men need to decompress, they don't need to talk. They need talk too. They need praised. They need to say, thank you. They need to hear, thank you. This is why you're important. You hearing what I'm saying? The second thing men need is they need, the first thing they need built up. Second thing they need called out. And what I mean when I say called out is most of the, I cannot tell you how many times that I have seen this. I have talked to countless marriages who are struggling and the wife is mad at the man because the man is living up to the very reputation she gave him. You're always going to be lazy and you're just like your dad and you don't do anything and you're not as smart as me and you're not as spiritual as me and you don't pray like me. Why don't you pray like me? Because he's not you. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't either if you're talking to people like that. Or you need to reread it. You're not enough. You're not enough. You're not, I'm the spirit, the, the spiritual leader. All of that garbage. You're the spiritual leader. I've I, I got to be the spiritual leader of our home because you're not going to do it because you're just busy working. And then you come home and you watch TV and that's all you are. And it's all that. And, and at the church, they say this about you. And they know Pastor knows he can call on me to pray to you. You don't even talk to the, all of that garbage. 
And then they get mad that he is the very person you named him. That's why the Bible says that Sarah called Abraham Lord. He wasn't her. I know that sounds like that's a winner. I tried on my wife early on. Just sit down, honey. I'm going to read you something that's really been speaking to me. She called him not who he was. She called who she saw him as. And then he became that. That's, that's what's so beautiful about the story of David. When Samuel came to anoint a king, he overlooked David because David was still a kid. And what Samuel failed to recognize, that the ki- inside the kid, there was a king living on the inside of him. And if you can speak to that king in him, I promise you he will manage the kid in him. I'm telling you, I'm helping you and you don't even know it. If you could call him, if you would give him a better reputation to live up to, if you would give him a standard to live up to, he would meet it every single time. When my wife says, you always buy me flowers, you're so thoughtful. I don't buy her flowers. She's out of town. You know what I did this week? I bought her flowers. Because she gave me a reputation to live up to. She called the king out of me. And if you will call the king out of him, he will take care of the kid. But we are too busy nagging and complaining and telling them all of their shortcomings to speak life over them. But if you want to know what a man needs, a man needs the greatness called out of him. A man needs the potential called out of him. A man needs the goodness of God called out of him. Are you with me in this church this morning? If you want to know what a father needs, a father needs to be called out. A father needs to be called out. Because in marriage, we are so quick to obsess over all of the dirt that we see in somebody's life. But if you want to change the dynamic of your marriage, start talking about the gold that's hidden underneath all the dirt. And they will rise to it every time. You hearing what I'm saying? We call out all the wrong stuff and then have the nerve to call the the, the pastor for some counseling when all the wrong stuff shows up. He served for six months how lazy he is. You call me, what's the problem? He's so lazy. Well, I guess. Yeah, man, it is quiet in this church. We can preach funny sermons on how men need sex and sports and good food and bro time and me time. This is what they need. They need you to call something out of them. Instead of telling them everything they're not on a daily basis, we need to communicate to them who we believe God says they are. Did you hear me? A man's got to be built up. A man's got to be called out. And if you don't hear anything else I say, you better hear this. A man has to feel heard. A man has to feel heard. We have enough time. We have a hard enough time talking as it is. So when we realize you're not listening or you're belittling what we're saying, we'll just stop talking completely. I have been in marriage counseling sessions where men are trying, stumbling over themselves, trying to articulate where they are and what they're thinking. 
And the entire time, the wife is judging it. No, that's not what's really going on. Let me tell you what's really going on. Yeah, because you know. I've been in marriage settings, marriage counseling settings, where a man's trying to articulate, and the wife will demean how he's even saying it. He can't even say it right. So he shuts down. Shuts down. I don't have to talk. My words are a gift. I don't have to get it out. And you can call it whatever you want. You can say right or wrong or toxic masculinity, whatever you want to call it. But I don't have to get this out. When I open my mouth to you, it's because I'm trusting you. And if you betray that or demean that, I'll never do it again. You asked me to be vulnerable. And when I was, you punished me for it. And so I'll never take that again. And then when you have really strong Christian men, they think, I don't have to talk to you about it. I'll just go talk to God about it. But that's not healthy. Even God said, it's not good that it just be me and you. I'm going to create a helper for you. You hearing what I'm saying? And when we have this toxic spirituality where we teach that Jesus can meet all of your emotional needs, he can't. That's why we have each other. Men need to feel heard. Doesn't matter whether or not you agree with it. I know you read the Enneagram book, so you know everything about everybody. Make you mad. I know the moment you saw him, you knew he was a five-wing six. So I know what makes him tick. You don't know anything about what makes him tick. I don't care about the Enneagram. I don't even know what that is. I've just been told I'm a five. But we read this stuff and we think we're masters of what everybody else needs. And so when he's articulating, this is what I need, we say, nope, 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 because the book said. And then there's tension because you're not becoming what I want you to be. You're not becoming what the book said you were supposed to be. Now you're a p- puzzle that i got to figure out, and I'm just, quite frankly, not interested in figuring out a puzzle. Men have to be heard. This, this, this friend I was, I was telling you about, he was calling me one of the pains that was, that was wounding him so deeply. He says, you know, when our kids were little, me and my wife were on the same page. And now that they've gotten older and they've gotten cars and they've gotten boyfriends and girlfriends and now they're going off to college. Now I envision this being one way and my wife envisions it being something completely different. And the kids are always siding with mom because mom just wants them to have a good time. Even though some of the behavior they're engaging in is very dangerous and very destructive. They're adults now and they can do what they want. It's our job to be their friend. He said, but I see it this way. And I've tried to communicate every way I know how. I've said it softly. I've said it loudly. 
I've said it in a card. I've said it in a text. I've said it over the phone. I've said it in person. I've said it in front of counselors. And I'm still not being heard. It's not that it has to be my way, but can we find some agreement? I'm not even invited to the conversation anymore. And so things are being done behind my back and things are happening behind my back and I don't know what's going on and I don't have a voice. What do I do? That's what pastors like. What do I do? Jesus, man, I don't know. Men have to be heard. Because if you take, if you shut down their voice, they'll pull it away from you and never offer it again. Hear what I'm saying? I actually gave him some advice, some phenomenal advice. But I talked to him about respect and honor because men need, men need respect. You, that book, The Five Love Languages, is great. Don't know what mine is. My wife's is words. My wife asked me one time, she begged me for like five years to read the book. So I read the book. And then she said, what's your love language? I said, none of these. Right? That's what we want. We want to formulize. This is who you are. You're a five wing six with a, with a love language of acts of service. She said, what's, what's your love language? I said, none of these. She said, what is it? I said, respect. That's my love language. Respect. It's weird, ain't it? It's weird to say something positive about men on Father's Day. It's very countercultural. If we shut down men, it's going to be to our peril. Hear what I'm saying? It's going to be to our peril. And I'm, I'm for sure not one of those people saying, our culture is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, my God. But if we shut down men, if we shut down men's voices, it's going to profoundly wound our families. It's going to profoundly wound kingdom work. So I talked to him about if, if you, if you want to If you want to see my wife go off watch when one of my children attempt to disrespect me I sit back and it's like watching an MMA fight you said the wrong thing she comes flying off the balcony boom with an emotional elbow right to the forehead don't you ever talk to my husband like I ain't her dad anymore don't you ever talk to my husband I don't talk to him that way, and you for sure ain't gonna talk to him. I'm just. Do you know what that does to me? Do you know what that does to me? And I'm gonna have that opportunity when Asher gets older. That's why I'm training jujitsu now. So when he's 14 and he pops off up, Asleep before he knows what. I'm kidding. Calm down. I'm not advocating. I heard somebody go, oh, Jesus, as you're. 
You know what that does to me? That makes me come alive toward her because I feel honored in my own home. It's not this, this is my house, by God, we're going to do it. I ain't, that's dumb. My house, this is our house. I'm the only one that works, but it's not my money, it's our money. It's your kids, <laughs> but it's my money, it's our money. Right. That's what fathers need. Did you know we spend $10 billion more on Mother's Day than we do Father's Day as a culture? And it's not because we view mothers too highly. We can't spend enough on you. It's because we view fathers too lowly. So I called my wife. I said, look, I read that statistic. I was like, look... Google said that we spend $10 billion more. And my wife, she's like, get whatever you want. But you know I'm the spender in the family. Like, you talking about a grill or like a truck? <laughs> yeah. Because they got a G-Wagon right over there that I've had my eye on for a minute. We'd have to sell the house and live in it. This is what men need and this is what fathers need. Fathers, you're doing good. You're good men. And I know what you think. Well, the guy that I, I, mean, I know some. We all know some. There's always exceptions. You might have been married to an axe murderer in your previous life. I'm sorry. But fathers, thank you. Listen to me. You're not just you're not just the third wheel of the relationship that the wife has with the kids. <clears throat> you're not just the chaperone and the financier and the man who cuts the grass. Your voice matters. You hearing what I'm saying? Your voice matters. I'm telling you, ladies, a man can live six months off a good compliment. Am I telling it right, men? It's, I know you ain't supposed to. Just give me. Man. Your voice matters, Dad. And we honor you today. We praise you today. We praise you today. We thank you. Thank you. We praise you. We see there's a king inside of there. And we call him out. We call him out. You might have been acting a fool before now, but there's still a king in there. And we call him out. And we want to hear what you've got to say. Can I get a witness? Hope Unlimited Church. Stand up on your feet. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians. 
that I purposefully did not use this morning because it's probably being preached in 14,000 churches right now. But I do want to bring it up. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and if you've never read the story of the Corinthian church, you need to read it. They had all kinds of problems. All kinds of problems. Fighting, arguing, bickering. There's, there's something about that, wait till your dad gets home. I don't know what that is, but there's something about that. I can be in another country, and my wife will call and say, your kids are fighting. You me send them an email. <laughs> something about that so Corinth is wicked fighting, bickering sexual immorality the gifts of the spirit are just out of control they're one of the craziest Pentecostal churches you've ever seen in your life and Paul when he's writing he gives the solution to all of their issues He gives a solution to all of their issues. This is what he says. You don't have many fathers. He didn't say the solution is you're wicked and you need to repent. He didn't say the solution is uh, you're out of control and you're out of order. He said you need a father to come along and can coach you and say, no, don't go this way. Go this way. A voice of a father means something. It means something. And if we ever come to a place where we think it doesn't, that is antichrist. That it violates everything scripture witnesses to. Your voice means something. Paul says, I know exactly how to fix all of these problems. You need a father to come along and speak to this. Because if he would come, And speak. And he says, I want him to come with the rod in the spirit of meekness. And I want him to set this straight. Your voice matters now. Your voice can create chaos or it can create peace. Your voice, your voice can turn your home into a battleground. Or a garden. Your voice can. So we need it. Hope Unlimited. Give all the dads one more hand. In Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.